Welcome to Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. I'm your host, Joanna DeVoe, and this is a happy, hippie place where magic with a K meets the law of attraction. Hi, thanks for joining me for episode 290 of Hippie Witch, Magic for a New Age. My name is Joanna DeVoe, and I am the kooky creatrix behind Kick-Ass Switch, Putting the K in Magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and all that good shit, and you can pick up a copy of that at www.joannadevoe.com or back on the description page for this episode Back on Blog Talk Radio. Guess what? Guess what? Justin Trudeau is in Los Angeles today, and Los Angeles is losing its mind. (laughs) Cracks me up. We have so many celebrities here. Where I live is just sort of like on the outskirts of Hollywood. And if you live in Hollywood or in one of the neighborhoods surrounding Hollywood, you're probably used to seeing big famous celebrities every now and again on a hike, at a restaurant, in line at the dry cleaner, at a party, whatever. Because obviously, hello, Hollywood. This is where a lot of those people live. So it really amuses me that The Canadian prime minister comes to town and everybody loses their shit. (laughs) I know it's because a lot of you, men and women, have crushes on Justin Trudeau. (laughs) He went on a hike in my hood uh, in Griffith Park. That is where I go on my hikes. If you've ever seen one of my uh, full moon hikes that I've done with my son um, on the vlog, that is Griffith Park. And so there were quite a few of Justin Trudeau sightings today, and people got very, very excited. (laughs) I saw he took a selfie with one couple, and one lady said she made him laugh because she shouted out at him as he walked by, please be our president. So um, anyway, that just made me laugh. What I just got back from doing is, you're going to be shocked going to the movies with my kid. (laughs) It's like a regular thing around here. Uh, And I thought A Wrinkle in Time came out this weekend. I was all set to see A Wrinkle in Time. And apparently, I was like, I know. I went to go buy the tickets, and they weren't available in my area. And I was like, that doesn't make sense, because Los Angeles is always one of the first, you know, like LA and New York, we always get the movies first and this is a big movie. And I'm like, why isn't anybody else excited about it and talking about it? And I was certain that it came out on the ninth, which was yesterday, which makes sense because movies come out on a Friday. So I went digging around and it does come out on the ninth. It comes out on March 9th. So we had to go see Peter Rabbit. (laughs) Peter Rabbit. It was all right. It was okay. But what I, why I wanted to mention it to you was because of a couple of people that I, just a couple of people associated with my movie going experience today. One was uh, my son's friend from a program that he used to go to. I told this story when it happened a long time ago. I was outside somewhere and in, I was out my back door, I think, and I saw a young man like walking around, like snooping around on 
on the on our property, but not like in our yard past the fence. But you can walk along the side of our property. And I could tell he had autism because my son has autism and I have a radar for that. Um, so I knew it was something like that. And he was looking around and he looked kind of confused. And I approached him and he was like, Tanner, is Tanner here? And to make a long story short, this guy <laughs> had remembered where we lived because when they went to the same program, the bus would drop Tanner off at this house. And he hadn't seen Tanner, I think, in a couple years at that point, over a year. And he missed him. And so he walked across town to our house with his little backpack on to try to hook up with his friend Tanner. It was so cute. So he is our movie buddy now. <laughs> Sometimes when we go to the movies... And what's so funny to me is if you know somebody with autism, you know autism is, it's, it's in some ways a social disability. So a lot of people with autism, they have a hard time connecting in a way that the rest of us understand. And this guy is like that. <laughs> He's very stoic, not a lot of facial expressions, doesn't express his excitement or anything. And I remember the first time we went to the movies, he just, I just was like, did he have fun? I don't know. He just like left. He didn't even say goodbye. He was just like out of there when the movie was over. And I was like, okay, that just happened. And then I got a text from him saying he wanted to go again. So I was like, huh, he must have liked it. He must have had fun. And people with autism, they do something when they're kids, but I think they do it when they're adults too, called parallel play. So they don't like interact like other kids do. They're just happy to be in the same room together or to be like playing two separate things beside each other. <laughs> and it's kind of like that when we go to the movies with him. And it makes for, for some funny, he texts me. We go back and forth and text. And uh, if you didn't know his situation, you'd be like, this guy is so rude and this is so confusing and weird, but I know to just be patient <laughs> and hang with it. And uh, he'll probably show up the movies, and he does. One of his family members drops him off. So same thing happened today. Him and Tanner just kind of sat there side by side. They were, like, happy to be side by side, but Tanner's more demonstrative. He does, like, the big happy smile and the rocking back and forth. <laughs> Uh, anyway, um, but I saw another guy there that I knew definitely had autism. I could just tell from the way he was moving and stuff. And he was wearing a t-shirt that says, autism is my superpower. And I thought that was so cute. I loved it. I loved that t-shirt. I, uh, yeah, I guess it announces to the world that you have autism, but uh, I thought it was adorable, and it's got like a sense of pride built into it that I thought was cool. And then the the third person that I wanted to mention to you, uh, there were a lot of like senior senior citizens. Not a lot. There was a handful, but in the in the movie theater, and none of them were sitting together. They had all gone alone, which I thought was interesting. And one of them, I didn't. We came in right as the movie was starting. So I didn't notice her until, I don't know, we were a little bit into the movie, 10 minutes or something, I don't know. And I heard, she was right below us, and I heard somebody laughing and going, oh no, oh no, don't go in there. And I looked down, and it was this woman by herself, she might have been like in her 80s, and she was wearing giant gold hoop earrings, 
and a Frida Kahlo style floral arrangement on her head (laughs) and a plaid cape with the matching bag. And she had like her little drink with her and she was all like decked out in this outfit (laughs) and having a blast. She laughed through the whole thing and like talked to the movie. And I love older women. I, I feel like my whole life, I've been waiting to be an old woman. Not waiting. I mean, it can wait. I'm, I'm vain, too. <laughs> but I've been kind of looking forward to it in a way because I just think I'm going to be a badass old woman. I just love, I love the older women that have style, and this woman definitely did, and they have, like, spunk. You know what I mean? Like, they don't lose their sense of humor, their sense of kindness, their sense of adventure, and I just got that vibe from this woman. So Frida Kahlo, hair lady, wherever you are, shout out to you. <laughs> I recognize your awesomeness. And yes, welcome to Saturn's Day Evening Post. In case you didn't know, that's what we're doing here. It's what we're doing here. Maybe a little bit late. This is one of those ones that is probably going to go up around 630 And again, I don't know what number we are on. (laughs) I just don't know. But I am very excited that I have good news. Okay, so I've been invited to extend my little partnership here with Studio, the company that makes those headphones I was telling you about. So They are sponsoring this episode today and then one other future episode in which I am going to be giving away a brand new pair of Regent White headphones. Yay! I love mine and I'm literally wearing them right now on my head. They are so pretty and nice and they asked me if I wanted to do something and I'm like, but I already have my headphones. So I asked them if it would be okay if I gave a pair away to one of you And they're like, yeah, sure, that sounds awesome. So that's what we're going to do. And I will tell you more about that later on in the show for those of you that are interested. And they're extending our 15% off discount code to anyone who uses the link in the show notes here, along with the discount code, which 15, no spaces, which 15. So that's awesome. And it makes me feel a little more (laughs) business-like and productive after so much laying around. That's what the long pause was before I launched into this uh, thing about studio. I was like, I should probably tell them why I'm excited about this. But I'll tell you now. I'm excited because I'm sick of being sick. And doing a giveaway like this and doing a sponsored podcast makes me feel more professional and business-like and like I'm actually getting something done because... This cold, man, it really kicked my butt. I'm so proud that I got that Q&A done on Tuesday. There was a little bit of coughing. There might be a little bit of coughing today. I I have these random coughing jags. And I have just, I kind of get wiped out easily. I get really tired easily. But I'm I'm feeling much better. But what happened is um, all that... I had plans for February. I have a new uh, little audio journey called Shadow Love that I intended to release on Valentine's Day because it's about creating a depth of self-love, like self-love on a 
whole other level. And I was super excited about it, but obviously I lost my voice. I had a sore throat and then I was coughing and then it was snot and then I was tired and then I was all those things. And I can't record audio when I'm like that. And it was frustrating. I had to um, keep talking myself into being like, it's okay. This is what you're meant to be doing right now. Clearly, like... You know, nobody, <laughs> nobody's like, where's that Shadow Love product? Because I haven't even hardly talked about it at all. It's not up for sale or anything like that. But it just bugs me because I had intended to do that. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Lots of sitting around. It was very frustrating having this project kind of pile up on me. So I'm not even sure if I'm going to do a podcast on Tuesday because if I have, if my voice is strong and I have good energy, I'm going to be sitting there recording these audio segments and I want to do it with a level of integrity. I don't want it to be rushed and these things take time. So we will see. I may or may not be here on Tuesday. (laughs) I also didn't even, I didn't go on Instagram, so I didn't have a picture to post with the Saturn's Day evening post today. So I took a selfie earlier in the week for my own amusement that I'm sharing with you all because clearly I have no pride. (laughs) I'm like, do I even want to tell them about this? I... It's a picture with me and Hank, my hunk of love. Hank is a hippo, a stuffed hippo. I walked into Vaughn's, a grocery store here, and it was pretty magical, I have to say. <laughs> right when we walked in, the, the side of the store that we walk into is the floral department, and it was like an explosion of Valentine's Day flowers, and the ceiling was covered with balloons with the streamers hanging down, and they had all these Valentine displays, and then like this wall of Valentine, I don't know, little gifts and goodies, and then they had like some stuffed animals in baskets, and my eyes landed on this chunky, chubby, squat hippo, and it was love at first sight. I was like <laughs> magnetized to this stuffed animal. I was like, oh, I like found myself mysteriously pulled across the room. And this hippo was in my arms. And then I shopped with the hippo <laughs> with my kid, too. I shopped with the hippo. We must have been a sight because I was still sick. I think that's why it appealed to me so much because it just looked like a hug. He just looked like a hug. And I walked around hugging him. But I definitely still looked not my cutest, definitely like a sick person hugging this stuffed animal hippo as I'm shopping. (laughs) And Tanner, my son, (laughs) he does this thing. Well, he speaks in monotone. He'll hear like a line he likes from a movie or a cartoon or something, and he'll repeat it. Or if he gets agitated, he really doesn't like it if you tell him to shush, to not say something, then he'll say it on repeat as he's trying to process it in his mind. For some reason, he processes it verbally and on repeat. And as we were walking into the store, he goes, uh, something about, um, you shouldn't pick your nose because it's disgusting and you don't want to spread your germs. And I said, that's right. Can we please not talk about that in the grocery store? 
And and so he, it, that like ignited something in him. <laughs> and we were walking right by in the frozen food section, walking by a large group of people, like people on both sides of us. And what does he do? Super loud and in a super agitated way. You can't pick your nose in the grocery store because you're you're spreading germs and people don't want your boogery fingers on their food. And he's like going off and I'm standing there hugging my hippo. And I was like, yeah, yep. This is my life. <laughs> this is my this is my life. You can't have it. So that was a funny day at the grocery store. And I had this running dialogue in my head like, this is silly. Do not buy a stuffed animal. Come on now. What are you doing? Don't buy a stuffed animal. It's just going to, you already have so much clutter and junk. And you're always trying to get rid of it with your decluttering. You do not need the stuffed animal. I couldn't put it down. I didn't know if I was going to buy it. I kept telling myself, like, do not buy that thing. Do not buy that thing. And uh, one of the two questions I've been asking myself all year, one is, does it spark joy? And the other is, what would this look like if it were easy? So I asked myself right when it was our turn for the cashier to ring us up, does this spark joy? And I was like, yes, I love him. And so I bought him. I bought him and he's sitting here with me right now and I have hugged him a bunch and I took a selfie with him and that is the picture that I used to promote today's episode is me being sick. I have a leopard eye mask on because I took naps when I was sick and I used this leopard eye mask to block the light out and I'm, I'm hugging my hippo and I have done this weird thing with stuffed animals my whole life. I anthropomorphize trees and stuffed animals, and I don't know what that's about, but I guess I still kind of do it. Like I'm like, oh, I love you, Hank. You're so cute. The name, his name, literally that he came with was Hunk of Love, so I named him Hank because <laughs> that, that seemed to go with it to me. But I remember being a kid, and I used to. I've told this story before, but since we're talking about stuffed animals, I was very afraid of the dark. I thought someone was always watching me from inside my closet, and my dad would come in. I had this stuffed animal, this stuffed bear called Sonny, and my dad would close the closet. It could not be open a crack. In fact, it would be better if it was all the way open than open a crack. Like, that drove me nuts because I just knew someone was standing there and looking through the little crack at me. So my dad would close the closet, make sure it was closed all the way, and then he would say, abracadabra, poof. And when he said poof, he would take his hand and, like, do this poof thing on Sonny's belly, and that activated him for the night to protect me. <laughs> In addition to that, uh, for a long period of time, I would completely line my bed with stuffed animals, and that was like my protective wall against what? Evil dark forces? I don't know. I was, I was scared, and I was protecting myself. And as I got older and it was time to like get rid of some stuffed animals and stuff like that, I felt guilty and weird like they were alive, and I had, like, so thoroughly anthropomorphized them that, like, ah, I, like, felt guilty getting rid of them, like I was hurting their feelings. Very strange stuff. Speaking of, um, <laughs> speaking of strange stuff, there is a woman who I am wondering about because as I started feeling better, uh, I started craving, like, fruits and vegetables and, like, 
kind of some of the food that I was eating back in my raw food days, which I tend to crave as spring starts arriving. And spring, according to our news, came two weeks early here in L.A., and it's definitely springing up in my backyard. It's very green, and uh, flowers are blooming and things like that in my neighborhood. And so I always kind of crave that food at this time of year. And I always end up dragging out The Craft of the Wild Witch by Poppy Palin. I love that book. I don't know what it is about that book and springtime happening, but I drag that book out every year into my backyard. I tend to eat outside reading that book, and I find it very inspiring. Um, And somehow, like, all these things kind of go together in my mind because they hearken back to the very early, early stages of right after I was first diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder and I really, like, dove into maximum healing and I started my first YouTube channel shortly thereafter. I dedicated my myself as a, as a witch, like, I really did like the whole dedication. I started my first book of shadows and all of that happened in the spring. And so I have, I don't know, I start, I get nostalgic for that time, I think. And I start reaching back to the things that I liked and resonated during that time. And there's one woman, her name is Angelica. And she would definitely not call herself a witch. She might, she has some interesting opinions about things. So she might actually think that that is a negative thing. I'm not sure. But she uh, was really into healing, energy healing, maybe like the ascension movement kind of. But I just found her fascinating. She had a channel called Angel Star Creations. It's still on YouTube. People used to say I looked like her which I don't think I do, except we have the same hair and we're like skinny. So I think that's what people are seeing (laughs) when they say that. But um, anyway, she just mysteriously disappeared from the internet. Can't find her. You can still watch her old videos at Angel Star Creations. But um, I was pulling up some of her old videos this week because, like I just said, I was in that nostalgic mood for that time. Uh, A little before that time and during that time is when, like, Charming Pixie Flora was, like, doing Charming Pixie Flora before she switched to a more kind of like a corporate brand, I guess. Um, And people just loved her back then. And that was, she, I don't know, it was sort of like a heyday of witchy YouTube, I guess. So I get kind of nostalgic for that. And I was thinking about Angelica, so I pulled up her videos And she has a video. First of all, the question is, does anybody know what happened to Angelica? She briefly started a new channel and made a few videos and then just disappeared. Never to be heard again on the internet. I don't know if she's off being a healer somewhere where she lives, like locally, if she just decided to bail on the internet or what. But I I would be curious to know if you know what happened to her. But I was watching a video of hers And um, I just thought you might all like to check it out if you like kooky, (laughs) because we have different views about a lot of things. She but she reminds me a lot of you. I've gotten to know a lot of you. And she's very much into chakras and energy healing. And I would say she's pretty out there with the woo woo stuff. But there's something about her that is entirely sincere 
and sweet and pretty grounded. She's pretty cool. But she has a video called How I Became an Energy Healer. And it is out there. She talks about aliens. She talks about talking, walking through the redwood forests and meeting like spirit guides and uh, that helped her on her journey as an energy healer. And it's fascinating. It's really interesting. And I have no reason not to believe her. And I just thought you all would like that. So in addition to, hello, does anybody know what happened to Angelica? If you want to check that out and like get into a new YouTube channel that's old, (laughs) go to Angel Star Creations and look up how I became an energy healer just for a little bit of entertainment And if she did just disappear, I think that's really interesting. I've known quite a few people who have done that, like built up big followings and then just poof. They either go away or they shift gears and they get like more professional and more reserved. Like I was saying, Charmy Pixie Flora went from being like just kind of like like a kooky, witchy version of Martha Stewart, very like friendly and not that she's not that I'm sure behind the scenes I know a lot of the work she does is behind the scenes but it it she changed her tone and it just got a little more pulled in I think and a little more guarded and I'm just using her as an example but I've seen people go that route and then I've seen people just disappear altogether and I know I because I make YouTube videos I know how tempting that is so I 100% respect anyone who has made either one of those choices (laughs) for sure. Uh, But what I have personally chosen to do instead for now, maybe I will feel differently about it one day, but what I have chosen to do is to stay and, and to stay open and in my innocence as much as possible. And when I say in my innocence, I mean, without agenda, without a pre-arranged posture, without letting myself get jaded by some of the darker, more angry stuff that I see directed at creators online. And I'm not, I'm actually not comparing myself to Angelica or Flora, by the way, (laughs) at all. Um, I'm not saying that in my making that choice that they are any of those, they're not, uh, I'm not saying they have an agenda or prearranged postures. I'm just saying I've chosen to remain silly and myself and open-hearted, even though sometimes I feel very vulnerable about it and very weird because I just value that connection with you. I value that kind of like friend thing that I feel like we have going on. Some of us, you know, have connected behind the scenes and I like that. It feels good to me. Uh, I don't know if this is related, but I actually also just set to private. I didn't remove it, but I set to private the biggest video I've ever done, (laughs) the most popular video I've ever done, and it might be like the number one leader onto my website, and it's an interview I did with Teal Swan back when she was known as Teal Scott. I did that interview not knowing who she was. Um, That was on request. Actually, I kept getting requests. Could you please interview Teal Scott? So I watched a few videos of hers, and I actually really liked what I saw, and I based my interview on that. 
And it was a nice enough video. But holy hell, has that brought out, jeez, uh, just so much weird energy that none of the other videos do. So I, I guess there's a couple of reasons that I, I set it to private so you can't see that video anymore. The first and most pressing reason is that it attracted a lot of really intense, angry energy and accusations about her doing like evil shit basically <laughs> which i i'm not a part of that world i i know that people just like hate her and fear her and think that she's doing really bad things in the world and then other people just adore her and think she's a saint it really actually wasn't even about her that i did that i did it because i just didn't like it was just a drag to get those i mean that interview was years and years ago and people still <laughs> take the time to write like these epic long comments that I will never approve because it's all like conspiracy theories and and hate and just ah and I'm like god I just don't want that I just don't want to be a part of that and I just got sick of having that come up in my um in my email inbox and um I also full disclosure and I guess this is a little bit gossipy but it, it's my experience. It's what happened. <laughs> I didn't like the way her representative at the time, the guy that was kind of her guy that you went through to set up interviews and stuff. I didn't like the way that he spoke to me or treated me after the interview. It just didn't sit well with me. Um, it was very odd. Like he reached out a couple times cause he wanted to know how many people had seen the video, which is like, hello, you can just check. That's an easy thing to check. Like, why are you emailing me that about that? And at one point I wrote him back like, Hey, you know, maybe she can come back on and we can follow up and talk about some other stuff. Um, and then I just kind of never heard from him and it just kind of left me with like an icky feeling. And again, I, it's really not about Teal. It was about this particular guy that I was in contact with um, after the interview. And I've had people I've reached out to for interviews ask me, back when I used to do my interviews on YouTube, they would ask me uh, how, many, how many subscribers I have. <laughs> And uh, in response to me saying, would you like to come on the show? I really like this book you wrote or this thing that you're talking about right now. And and some people would write back with, with that question. They wanted to know how many subscribers I had. and uh, or, or they would say, I don't do interviews unless you have more than 5,000 subscribers, things like that. And I definitely can respect that as a powerful business model. And it makes a lot of sense in terms of where you need to put your energy when you've got a message or a product you're trying to get out to as many people as possible and limited time to do so. Like, that totally makes sense. I get that. And maybe one day that will resonate with me for my own business. But the way I feel about it the way I felt about it then and the way I still feel about it now is like, gosh, <laughs> I hope I never do that or have my people say that kind of thing to somebody. Like, even if that's the truth, like, isn't there like a more 
PC way, I don't know, like a nicer, sweeter, kinder way to be like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. We have so many interviews we're doing right now. I don't have time, but I wish you well. It looks like you're doing some really great work. More power to you. Like, what is wrong with that? Like, that's a legit thing to say, right? Because, and beyond that, beyond like numbers, I would rather make those choices, like who I'm going to do an interview with and who I'm not. I'd rather make those choices based on whether or not I resonate with the interviewer, if I like their show. And if I do, and they happen to have a very tiny audience, like they're just getting started, that is totally fine with me. Maybe my audience will get to discover someone new, and then that interviewer will gain some new listeners. Like we reach up, we reach down, we help people up, you know, other people help us up. I have no problem reaching in either direction that way. And I'm wondering, like, why am I going off on this right now? I don't know. It's the Saturn's Day evening post. This is what we do. We ramble here. Um, (laughs) But really, like, checking, if you want to know, like, how many subscribers that person have. Hello, that's something you can check very easily online. Like, go check out how many subscribers they have. It's right there for the public to see or go go read their reviews on iTunes. Uh, I wanted to interview Denise Lynn because she has a, a book, The Mystical Cookbook. I hope I'm saying that right. Sometimes I get the name a little off. It's it's something like that. The The Mystical Cookbook that I just love. It's such a sweet book. I... I I've had it for years, and I still just love to flip through it when I'm in a certain mood. And it's got a lot of spiritual information, mystical information in a cookbook. And um, so it's fascinating, and I, I was excited about it when I first had it, and I reached out to see if she wanted to do an interview, and her daughter ended up answering me back in the most lovely and respectful way. And... Kind of like what I was just saying, like, oh, she's really busy right now and she's not able to do, you know, an interview with you at this time. But, you know, more power to you and keep doing the great work kind of thing. And it left me feeling positive about her work. Like I could continue to enjoy it without having like that taint of feeling like I had been judged or snubbed in some way. So I don't know what the message is in that. Be nice, okay? Be nice. Venus is entering Pisces this week. So it's a great time to think about how, you know, being loving and kind, as corny as that may sound. (laughs) Venus enters Pisces. That's a big deal because um, it's going to be there for three weeks. And I love Rachel from... Aeolian heart. She said something I thought was cool. Venus returns to the ocean from whence she was born. And Pisces is, it's a place of exaltation for Venus. Venus supposedly loves being in Pisces, returning to the ocean from from whence she was born, as Rachel put it. And I associate Pisces with Jesus. I'm not going to get into all that here. I've explained it numerous times. The Cliff Notes version is I was a big old Jesus lover growing up, quit Christianity, had a falling out, went super new agey, was channeling this very loving kind of energy 
that gave me amazing guidance and wisdom that I did not consciously have access to at that time. That guide has stuck with me ever since. I asked what its name was one day. It said Pisces. And the more I contemplated that, the more funny it got to me because I realized that Pisces, the sign for Pisces is the sign that Christians put on their homes and their cars. It's the fish. And Jesus ruled the age of Pisces. So it's like, have I been talking to Jesus this whole time? And um, so when I hear Pisces, I think that. I think like Jesus Pisces is kind of smushed into my head with Jesus being a magic man, Jesus being a magician, Jesus being a spirit guide that I have been in contact with maybe since the day I was born. And a really loving guide that has never, never steered me wrong. And I'm a Libra, so, you know, me and Venus, we got a good thing going. So this just feels like a lovely time for me. This is the time that I was planning on releasing Shadow Love, this program, um, on Valentine's Day. It's nice that that Venus is entering Pisces right before we have Valentine's Day, too. And uh, so anyway, I was just thinking about, well, perfect timing. And um, I had ordered myself Leonardo... Da Vinci did a painting called Salvatore Mundi, which means savior of the world. And it has this very, if you know his style, his men were very feminine looking. So it has like a feminine Jesus holding a crystal ball in his hand and, and making this symbol with his fingers. And he looks in that painting like the Jesus that I know. The Jesus that is inclusive, the Jesus that is a magician, and and the Jesus that was humbly trying to show us and teach us all, like, anything I can do, you can do. I am not special. Yes, I am a child of God, but so are you. So are all of us. Hello. (laughs) Like, the divine is in us all. That's how I perceived him, and that is why I've always loved that painting, because that's what that painting looks like to me, especially because he's holding that crystal ball. He looks like a magician, very feminine man holding this crystal ball. And uh, that painting just an aside, sold for $450 million, the original. I didn't pay that much for mine. I just bought myself a a small canvas uh, of it that that is going to go next to my big old big-ass book collection and this chair that I like to sit and read in. But it should be getting here soon, like maybe next week, and it'll be getting here right when... When Venus is having her heyday in Pisces. So I thought that was very cool. And then I got another email from Rachel from Alien Heart. And this is this just blew my mind because I was having all these Jesus thoughts about Venus and Pisces. And then she goes and sends this newsletter out. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. This is so cool. So I literally cut and pasted it so I could read it to you because I thought it was awesome. She said... 
So I was thinking that just the way Christians observe Lent at this time of year, it would be really cool if astrology enthusiasts would observe Venus's transit through Pisces. It can be quite fruitful to devote attention to anything for three weeks. So why not demonstrate this fact to yourself by observing Venus's transit through Pisces? Venus teaches us to love and embrace ourselves so that we can then love and embrace others. Thus, this is a per- this is a period that can open new pathways towards spiritual healing, deepening your connection to heaven and earth. Isn't that so cool? And that is what shadow love um, is going to be all about if I can get it out on time. We'll see if I can if I can make it happen by Valentine's Day. You'll definitely hear about it, especially if you're on my newsletter. Uh, and what she said there about learning to love and embrace ourselves so that we can then love and embrace others is so key to what I'm talking about with shadow love and learning like to love yourself in a deep, deep, deep way that impacts not just your romantic relationships, your relationships with everybody including your relationship with yourself, first and foremost. And for me, the way I have been incorporating self-love into my day planner, for example, you know, I'm doing the 12-week year, and my plan was to get this this program out. I, I call it a program, an audio journey. I don't have the little, I know it's called Shadow Love, but I don't have the little tagline to go with it yet. I'm still thinking about what that what to call it exactly it's going to be an audio series for sure that's what it is um but that was supposed to come out on valentine's day and now valentine's day is just a few more days away and i haven't recorded the the audio for it and i'm like holy moly (laughs) and i felt that creeping up on me so the way i dealt with it is the the planner that i use at the beginning of each week it has you list your three big priorities. And this is about getting shit done, your three big priorities. And then for each day of that week, you kind of do the same thing, but on a more micro level. So you list your three big priorities, the things that must get done that day. And I was so weak, foggy headed, low on energy, in addition to all of the icky symptoms that this cold brought on. That for two weeks, what I did with my big three at the beginning of the week, the first top priority was get well. And so I really put this self-love thing into practice. And so then my daily big three would have things on it like take a wellness walk. And a wellness walk was me with a mug of my hot water, like slowly walking around the neighborhood just to get some fresh air and move my body and very nothing strenuous or take a nap. It was things like that. So I felt like I was working towards something. I was, it was about care of the soul, care of the body, care of my health and recognizing that this is what is right now. I can't change it. Sometimes God, the universe source has other plans for us. Sometimes our body just catches a bug and we have to deal with that funk so we don't make it worse. (laughs) So that's how I kind of kept coming back to like peace because it's really easy 
as an airy air sign up in my head kind of person to spin out about like, oh, but I have to get this thing done. And I said it'd be done this day and it might not get done this day. And what am I going to do? And I'm wasting so much time. I didn't want to fall into that. So I set myself up for success in advance. And I thought that was awesome. (laughs) Another thing too, that's really interesting, speaking of astrology and Pisces and all of that, when I first had the realization that when I asked my spirit guide what its name was, and it told me Pisces, at the time, I did not have the same depth of understanding of astrology that I do now. I had a very kind of superficial understanding of it. And I was like, this is so weird because I have nothing going on in Pisces in my chart. <laughs> like nothing. <laughs> what is happening? This is so weird. Um, but then later, as I learned more about astrology, I learned that my part of fortune is in Pisces. And uh, in Greek, the part of fortune is called the lot of fortune. It's also sometimes called the pot of gold. And um, so the part of fortune in your natal chart is where you find your joy and your luck. It's really related to luck and prosperity and harmony. I love thinking of it as the pot of gold because it's kind of like when you think about the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow with leprechauns and stuff. It's like luck and joy and prosperity. It's like all the good things. Like, And when I think about Pisces as a guide, that's what it's been for me. It's never, ever steered me wrong. And it's always been a really uplifting, joyful energy for me that I can turn to when I'm freaking out and I need a little bit of guidance. Uh, and my friend Dawn, too, who um, recently became an astrologer, she's been toying around with the idea of uh, the part of fortune being your genius or your demon D-A-E-M-O-N, which is kind of like a guardian spirit that you have, like the house elf of your body, (laughs) the house elf of you, so to speak. Um, Does that even make sense? I don't know. Uh, But I thought, oh, that's kind of interesting when I I factor in Pisces as being like my little genie in a bottle guide, because it's kind of been like that for me. Um. And then another, my last Jesus thing today, and then I promise I will not say the word Jesus again, is uh, I don't, I've never listened to an episode of Two Dope Queens. Do you all listen to that podcast? Um, Two Dope Queens. I think it was just a podcast that took off and got really popular and they got a deal with HBO and I just saw in the press, like, Two Dope Queens was in my, there in my magazines and stuff. So I was like, I'll check it out. I want to see what this is about. So I watched the first episode, and it's, it was perfect. It was, like, literally a perfect hour of it just made me laugh. They were funny, the Two Dope Queens. I don't know them well enough to even remember what their names are. But then they had guests on, like comedians, and I don't know how they managed to have, like, a perfect set with, like, multiple comedians, you know, like, some make you laugh, some don't. Like, nobody fell flat. To me, it was just perfect. And I think it was the last one this guy comes off. (laughs) I'm going to ruin this. Every time I think something's really funny and I try to convey that to you, it just never comes out funny. So go look at the first episode of Two Dope Queens on HBO if you want to actually hear it told in a funny way, but this guy was talking about how he got sucked into this documentary on the BBC, um, 
recreating the face of Jesus. And he's an American guy, but he was doing this British accent. And he was like making fun of them. Like this whole, it was a three and a half hour documentary about recreating the face of Jesus, revealing what the face of Jesus looked like. You know, like they took like three skulls from the area that they think Jesus lived in around the time they think Jesus lived in. And then they combined them using like forensic blah, 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 blah to come up with what they thought the face of Jesus would look like. And he was like, and which is impossible. Like you literally cannot recreate the face of Jesus today. And he's like, but I watched all three and a half hours of it anyways, because I like fancy nonsense. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. He cracked me up. <laughs> <coughs> there it is. There's the cough. I knew it. Ha! Ah. Let us not have that turn into a coughing jack. Knocking on wood right now. <laughs> um, so I do have some other pop culture and silly fun entertainment things to ramble on about here because, hello, this cold, this icky illness afforded me, like I just said, a ridiculous amount of downtime. But um, before I get to that, let me quickly tell you about these headphones that I'm giving away so I don't forget about that. And and that is another thing I cut and pasted because there's details I want to mention and I don't want to screw it up. So first of all, here's how here's how if you want if you want to win these, if you want to be entered into the drawing to win these, email me in the next week at joannadevoe at gmail.com with the subject line headphones, or you can comment under this episode's post on Facebook or Twitter with something, anything along the lines of, I want me some pretty free headphones. (laughs) If you mention headphones, I'll know what you mean, and I will add you to the drawing. So, um, Basically, they're the Regent White, which is the one I'm wearing on my head right now because they are white. They are the Regent in white. The Regent White. And they're really pretty, just white, modern, Scandinavian design with, uh, like, gold accents. They're very cool looking. And um, here's what they say. I'll, re- I'll read this so I can sound extra fancy. The Regent is our premium on-ear model with impeccable clarity in the instrumental tones and well-balanced sound. With 24 hours of active battery life and 20 days of standby life, the Regent is the perfect companion for you at home or on the go. It will connect to any device that has Bluetooth But there is also, and this is what I love because I don't know how to use Bluetooth, (laughs) there is also an auxiliary cord if you don't want to use the wireless option. Okay, so what else do they have to say about it? Studio is the name of the company, S-U-D-I-O. And the whole idea behind this company is they really just wanted to revolutionize the way people see headphones because typically... They're either geared toward being technologically sound, like having awesome audio, or just being very pretty and fashionable. And they're like, why can't we have both? Why can't we combine the two? So that is what they are doing with their design. And uh, what else? They have free worldwide shipping. So you, so you can't hate on that. And if you just, if you want to skip the the giveaway or if you're not the winner after the giveaway if you want to order a pair for yourself just be sure that you use the link uh 
for these show notes and the discount code WITCH15, and they will give you 15% off, which I think is awesome. So that's that. Um, The other thing is, now I'm like, how do I go from that to all the other weird things I want to talk about when I'm running out of time? (laughs) Why do people get so... I feel like there is this section of society right now that is just like waiting for the next thing to be outraged about. There's like this kind of outrage addiction happening and just everything gets twisted into being something offensive. Definitely a lot of offensive things are happening from my perspective, I will say, you know, like politically and things like that. But it just seems like people are like super sensitive all of a sudden, like hair trigger sensitive. And then like they jump like with this mob mentality on Somebody calls it out, and then everybody jumps on it, and it's like the outrage of the day until tomorrow when we'll have a new outrage. It's so intense, and uh, I don't exactly know what that's about. But um, <laughs> what's making me think about this is Amy Amy Schumer's new movie, I Feel Pretty. I re- saw the poster and the tagline, Change Everything Without Changing Anything, And then I watched the trailer and I was like, this is brilliant. This is brilliant. This is so much about what I want people to understand is, is, uh, to me, it was a movie about how your self image is reflected back at you in the behavior of other people. It's about confidence. And so Amy Schumer just feels like an average, not special woman, basically, and she bumps her head, and in a soul cycle class, it's a comedy, and all of it, a romantic comedy, and all of a sudden she looks in the mirror and she sees a supermodel looking back. She sees herself as a supermodel, and so she just goes around acting like a supermodel, and nobody else sees this but her, and it ends up attracting a mate to her and I haven't seen the movie. I've just seen the trailer, but I have a feeling that the the message here is just, it was really, it was never about how she looked. It was about how she felt the judgments she had on herself, her level of self-worth, her level of confidence, her self image. And that's really, really powerful. It's powerful magic. Maybe nothing you could ever do magically or with witchcraft could ever, 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 ever compete with your self-image. Your self-image, the beliefs you hold about who you are, are the most attractive thing about you. And I don't mean attractive as in appealing. I mean good or bad, you are attracting certain experiences to you and certain relationships to you as a mirror of your self-image. It's highly potent. In addition to that, I watched part of, and now I'm going to totally screw with this up. Dang it, why didn't I write the name of this down? Oh, well, also let me just say, the outrage was, but Amy Schumer's not an ugly girl, and... Is she supposed to be like fat or plus size? Like, what's that saying for those of us girls that are bigger? And like, I hate Amy Schumer and Amy Schumer sucks. And she said this one thing this one time. And it was like such a beautiful, positive message. Just like whoop in one day, like the trailer comes out and already people hate it. And they've never seen the movie and they're outraged about it. And I just totally did not get all of that from it. I don't think they were saying Amy Schumer is ugly. 
or Amy Schumer's fat. I think they were just saying, I think they were talking about self-image. That's my take on it. I'll have to see the movie and get back to you about that. But in addition to that, I watched the first part of, uh, I want to say it's a series called Dirty Money on Netflix. Dirty Money on Netflix. And I think the episode about Donald Trump is called The Confidence Man. And the con was really emphasized in, in the font for it. And I know because I live, I, you know, I lived in Hollywood for so long that long before Donald Trump, which run for president, that people called him Don the Con and people in New York knew him as Don the Con. And all of those people <laughs> collectively were kind of amazed that he got into position. But when, whether you like him or you dislike him, it's not what I'm talking about right now, you have to recognize that he has an extraordinary amount of confidence. And the first part of this documentary, I didn't watch all of it, where it was just all these people being interviewed that had worked with them and had experience with them talking about this like insane level of confidence, whether he's lying, bullshitting, stealing, it doesn't matter. It's just like this incredible amount of confidence there's interview footage of him talking about he he says i'm not the smartest person but i'm the most confident and i was like oh this is so tying into what this whole uh i feel pretty movie trailer thing with amy schumer it's like about confidence it's really about confidence if you believe you can do something or if you believe you look like a supermodel or if you believe that you could be the president of the united states if you genuinely believe it, if you're not putting on a facade, if you like deep down genuinely have that kind of confidence, other people will invest in you that way. It's crazy. It's just this nutty bit of psychology and it's amazing. It's some amazing magic. If you've ever been like irritated by somebody that just has this like, they seem to have like this overinflated sense of entitlement and they just expect things to come to them. And then you're just kind of disgusted that then like things do come to them and they do get all these lucky breaks. Like, why do you think that is? A lot of those people are raised into privilege. And so they are at birth born with like born into this programming that says you're special, you're lucky, like things come to you, you're privileged, and they believe it, it's their self-image, and then the world reflects that back at them. For the rest of us, <laughs> we have to reprogram ourselves and learn that shit on purpose. So I think I've said shit a lot in this episode. Sorry, I don't know, that's the word of the day. <laughs> that's the word of the day. And then speaking of just like mindset, Something I posted, I think, last weekend. I am a huge nerd. I am in the Wizarding World Book Club on Twitter. I freaking love it. I've been doing it since early last summer when we started with the very first page of the very first book of the Harry Potter series. And last week, we finished The Order of the Phoenix, which is a tour de force. It is so epic. Each book just gets better and better and better. This book is epically long. I feel like my copy of it was 870 pages of perfection. Like, it's just a page turner. You're like, how am I going to read this honking thing? It's a children's book. 
what am I doing reading a children's book? And it's just so captivating and so charming and so detailed. And I came to the conclusion as I was kind of contemplating that and reading this epic book that I couldn't put down that the secret ingredient that makes those books so magical that I think they were the best selling. I think, I think they made JK Rowling the richest author of all time at one point, the best selling author at one point worldwide phenomenon, theme parks, all of it. Like what created all of that? And I, I boiled it down to one thing. The secret ingredient is love. There is love on every page. She was madly, madly in love with that world, with every character, with every detail, with every nook and cranny of every scene. And she just loved it. And it was just pure, pure, pure love. And I really believe it's because that that's what we're feeling when we read that. That was the mindset she was in. And so that's how we feel about it when we read it. Again, that's being like reflected. And because it was born of love, it like continues to generate love. It's just fascinating to me when I think about that. And then Jordan Peele was on Oprah's Super Soul Conversations and said, um, if you put enough love into it, you can do anything. And Though sometimes I have like these ideas that kind of touch like the whole Donald Trump thing with the Amy Schumer thing. <laughs> I laugh saying that because those are such polarizing people. <laughs> but then I have like Oprah and JK Rowling. And it's just like interesting how like ideas will touch like that for me in my mind sometimes. <laughs> and then lastly, I think I'm going to tell you something really nerdy. If you're not already judging me for Harry Potter and, uh, Hank, the hippo, and whatever else I've shared. My bath TV, I took so many baths when I was sick. and I, Something about just being in a mineral bath and hot water and laying there just feels so good, especially when you're congested in your chest. You put some essential oils in it. Um, I started watching The Magicians again. I liked it when it first came out well enough. I was like, ah, this is kind of corny, but I like it okay. But somewhere halfway through the first season, I quit. I just lost interest in it. I was just like, eh, bleh. It just lost interest for me. I don't know what made me, like, pick it back up again. But all of a sudden, I was in it. Maybe I was delirious because I was sick. I don't know, but I was really enjoying it. And so I made it through the second half of the first season. And um, it's magic. Hello. It's it's not as good as... as the Harry Potter world, but it's very, very magical. It's, it's darker. It's racier. There's like sex and drugs and things like that. And I think that's what starts to feel a little bit like kind of corny to me. It's like, Oh, everybody's hooking up with everybody. And I don't know. It just starts feeling kind of maybe juvenile, I guess is a better word for it. But this time I got back into it and I totally loved it and was looking forward to each episode and there's this scene that I probably shouldn't tell you about, but I'm going to tell you about because it really, really made me laugh. And I will end with this. <laughs> it's the last uh, episode of the, I think, of the first season when uh, they're trying to kill the beast, like the baddest bad guy. And it's two main characters. Quentin is, is I think, the lead. And he's there with this girl down underground to visit this kind of senator 
looking creature, half man, half animal. I don't know if you call it a senator because the horns on his head were like ram horns kind of, and his name was Ember. So I don't know what he was supposed to be. Some magical creature. And uh, they needed his help to try to kill the beast. And they had gotten this like special blade that had to be made like over like many years time that could kill the beast. And then when they went to touch it, it would burn their hands because you had to be a master magician to be able to touch it. And they're like, great, we had like all this time to make this sword and now we can't even use it or this blade because we can't touch the thing because it burns us. So they went to go see this Senator Ember dude (laughs) to see if he could help them. And so he he can he can he can imbue them with his power in order to be able to hold the blade and get around having to be a master magician. <laughs> so he agrees to endow the lead character with his powers so that he can touch the special blade to kill the dark magician, the beast. Um, and I wrote this down because it just cracked me up again maybe I was delirious because I was sick he said you need my strength I will infuse you with my essence and then he produces this jar (laughs) and he says I have gifted you my my vistal I think I've gifted you my largesse the seed of my power when you are ready to face the beast imbibe it and then he hands him this jar (laughs) the girl goes is that semen and it definitely looks like a jar of semen a lot of it (laughs) and quentin takes the jar and right after she says is that semen and he looks at it and he verifies yeah i'm holding a jar of semen he looks up at the senator guy and he goes thank you (laughs) ah yeah that's the kind of show it is it has things like that jars of semen but it was really just the delivery of it the writers have so much fun working weird little things (laughs) into the dialogue and that particular one cracked me up so yes we're ending this episode talking about a jar of semen i'm so sorry i have to go (laughs) 6 10 let's see if i can get this up by 6 30 i'll go fast we'll see if i can do it um i may or may not be back on tuesday depending on how i'm doing with the audio recordings And uh, until we meet again, much love to you. Happy Venus and Pisces. Peace.